Good morning and welcome to the Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Robus and I'll be your host for today. And I am greatly excited to interview Sean again, the starter, founder, MD, boss, face of Revix. Sean, I feel like I'm really getting to know you over this series and it's been a real privilege to walk a journey with you and to be educated by you. And I want to just honor your marketing team for always sending out really interesting tidbits of information to help me walk this journey. And being a new investor and new to the crypto market, it's easy to get swayed by what's happening in the media. So we thought it would be really interesting to start off with what happened in your market over the last two weeks. What has happened to Bitcoin? Why has it taken a smack in the nose? And is that just a perception? And where do we go to? What caused this down retraction, we should say? And should I panic? Oh, lots of questions in there. So, hey, Daniel, <laughs> thanks very much for having me. And yeah, lots to, lots to unpack there. So just a bit of context for everyone that doesn't follow the crypto market. We saw a colossal pullback this last week. Uh, this last week, Saturday, we lost about $300 billion out of the entire cryptocurrency market, right? At tremendous. That's with a B. So a lot of money, right? The pullback roughly wiped off about 15 to 20% of the overall cryptocurrency market's value. And the weird thing about this entire pullback is that there was no one reason. There isn't, you know, just the COVID jitters that have come about. It wasn't just, you know, this ever grand catastrophe that's happened in China where the sort of biggest real estate developer in the world's defaulted on debt. It hasn't been the rising inflation. It's probably like a combination of all of these different factors. But ultimately, I think what caused the sell-off was the fact that there was a small decline in the market and there's just too much leverage in the crypto space. Because you know, while you've got this burgeoning, growing ecosystem that is blockchain, crypto, and Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the rest, you do have wild speculators in this market. And that sort of contributes to these massive price fixes. So, you know, we had some customers that came about, they bought into this price decline. They're sitting smiling right now because they saw a pretty big return because, you know, as it went down really hard, it did land up you know, bouncing back quite quickly. I think you're going to see a lot of volatility over the next while because we don't know where this new variant is going to go. We don't know if inflation is yet to stay off. It's going to be you know, dissipating over the next while. So there's a lot of unknowns. But I think with those unknowns comes the opportunity potentially to look at this market and go, okay, right, well, I've got a discount of 15 to 20% versus a week ago. Maybe that's the time to get in. But it's weird. When you start looking at Black Friday-like sales, you see 50% off or 20% off and you jump up and down and you buy it. Uh, when it comes to investing, for whatever reason, it's like something breaks and it's like, no, 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 now's not the time to buy. Now's the time to sell, which is quite a fascinating sort of psychological element of the investing and trading world. But yeah, that's sort of where we find ourselves today. I want to continue on that. You said to me last time, this shouldn't be my lunch money when we're investing in the side. And you were very sensitive to that from new investors. We're not talking about the mega investors. We're talking about the Daniel who's looking to widen their portfolio. What would you say to them when it comes to this Christmas special that seems to be on our doorstep and good bargains to be had? How would you caution them going forward? I would say you've got to be comfortable with the volatility in the crypto space. And the only way to be comfortable with it is to start with such a small amount of money that if you saw that go up or down 15 or 20%, you're not going to become you know, overjoyed or you're not going to become depressed and wanting to cash jump in the investment the yeah. or jump off the building for lack of a better yeah. term. And 
that's really it, right? I mean, I always say that you overexpose the particular investment if you go to sleep worrying about it. That's sort of just my heuristic that I use when it comes to looking at the different investment markets. And ultimately, you can do that, right? With us, you can start really small. Most top crypto platforms, you know, have got sort of this great set of educational content as well. I mean, of course, if you're getting exposure to the market, learn about it, spend time reading about Bitcoin, you start going down the rabbit hole, right? And you know, they always say the journey of the million steps starts with a single one, right? And this is a journey of a million steps. It starts with what is Bitcoin all about? Read the white paper, go down and learn a little bit more about Ethereum. And it all sounds really daunting, just like anything else. And then I think as you start getting further down the rabbit hole, it becomes more and more exciting. Also, just to maybe mention on this, you know, if you think back to the early, it's the early 90s, towards the late 90s as well, you saw that weird at sign when you were sending an email and you were like, what is this? This is so weird. This is odd. And then it became, you know, just completely normal. And we actually just had a power outage. So hopefully you can still see me. We got I a generator. So. Perfect. It didn't <laughs> even go. It didn't go. Yeah, it was Brilliant. perfect. Um, well, there we go. That's the tech at Revix, right? Um, it, anyway, carry on. <laughs> carry on yeah. But you saw that and that was weird, right? Back with that weird ass sign when you're sending an email. Now it's like completely commonplace, right? Mm. The idea of taking a selfie just five years ago was pretty odd. No, that's mm. completely normal. And I think it's like that with crypto and blockchain and HTML and like all these new technologies that emerge. At the end of the day, you need to sort of just get used to using it. And then it becomes like second nature, right? QR codes were also weird at one point in time. And I just think it takes a bit of time and then it becomes normal. So, Sean, we've spoken about that and I'm going to go a little bit off piece there. You've mentioned we should dive into the market. This crypto market is more than Bitcoin. It's underpinned by a blockchain technology, which enables it, but it's not just Bitcoin. And again, we were talking around Ethereum, which in your latest email to your subscribers is saying it seems to be growing up. What does that mean? Why is Ethereum growing up? Is it standing shoulder to shoulder now? Oof, it's interesting. So we have to sort of take a step back and look at the way cryptocurrencies work because they're very much like operating systems or software, right? Where they go through upgrades, they become more efficient. So they use less energy. They're able to process more transactions per second. They're able to process more information per second. It's kind of like looking at the internet as well, right? Where you've gone from uh, 64-bit sort of dial-up connections all the way through to fiber or 5G that we have today. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a sort of gradual evolution that took place. And it's the same with crypto. Now, Ethereum was sort of the second version of the idea of cryptocurrency, right? Bitcoin was the first version. And the second version was to say, okay, so Bitcoin was built to act like a little bit of a store of value and act a little bit like gold really. So, you know, to hold value over time. And then Ethereum came along and said, okay, right, well, there's actually a lot more we can do. So we can put a little bit more programming logic into the particular cryptocurrency. So we could say, okay, right, you know, let's create an order that says, well, every single month, move a certain amount of money from one party to another. Very simple logic, right? But if you think about like salaries that get paid every single month, currently you've got somebody within a company that clicks, okay, right, you know, this is a payment to this person, a payment to this person, they go ahead and do that. Imagine baking that into the money. All of a sudden, you don't need to use a bank to do that. That's a very simple example. An idea as well as to say, okay, right, if you order something from Take-A-Lot, 
and this is a very practical example, I'll only have the funds move from my account into the merchant's accounts once I've actually received the goods. Mm. Now you could create a smart contract or maybe you could buy a little program off the shelf that does this, right? And all of a sudden it completely changes the e-commerce game. And that's the idea that really came about in Ethereum. And I'm being super simplistic here because this rabbit hole goes far deeper. But it's that idea all of a sudden that the banking infrastructure and ecosystem that we have today doesn't exist in the banking world, but actually exists in the money itself. And that's what really got people excited about Ethereum. But now the problem is that Ethereum has been so successful. I mean, so, so, so successful that transaction fees have become very expensive. So it's almost like, imagine a fiber provider just being the absolute best in the market and everyone's run to them. And that means that there's congestion on the network. And that's what's currently been happening. So Ethereum's had to essentially look at upgrading their technology and upgrading the infrastructure. And they've gone about doing this. But while they've gone about doing this, there's been all these other Ethereum killers, as they've been called, which include the likes of Cardano, Solana, Avalanche, that have come along to say, right, well, you know, we want a slice of your pie, Ethereum. You're looking at doing a lot more than what Bitcoin initially set out to do. And we believe we can actually offer this in a more efficient way. And there's always trade-offs. Each of these cryptocurrencies do things slightly differently. So Ethereum is really good at certain things. It's really good at sort of, you know, it's got a huge network, a very decentralized big network, which means that there's a lot of developers that know how to build on the programming language that Ethereum users called Solidity and others like Avalanche or Solana, you know, they could use different programming languages, but they're far more efficient. So they're able to process hundreds of thousands of transactions per minute versus Ethereum, which is far less. And it's that sort of like trade-off that a lot of investors and a lot of, I suppose, you know, developers on the networks have to consider when looking at these. But what has happened then, and coming back to your point, kind of going around about here, but coming back to your point, Bitcoin, you know, four years ago had a market dominance of between 80 to 90%. And that has now gradually declined. And it's at the point now where Bitcoin's actually got a market dominance of roughly around 45%. And the other cryptocurrencies have increased in value so significantly now that I think over the next two to three years, you'll see them making up a much bigger part of the market than what they do today, which... Yeah, which is from 45% odd, well, from 55% today, all the other cryptocurrencies I suggested, well, I imagine that'll be a lot bigger going forward. And I'm sorry to ask this, but is the market just getting bigger and the percentage are then um, becoming less important or is the market staying the same size? And if the market is getting bigger, where is it coming from? The market's definitely getting bigger. I mean, we are looking at essentially a 250-odd percent increase in the total market value over the last 12 months. So I see that the lights keep flickering on and off. Hopefully it's that's... like you're in a nightclub. It's awesome. It's, like I'm in a it's the young so... Sean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to that, so the, the market is definitely expanding. And look at the long-term trend when it comes to investing in crypto. It's a diagonal line from the bottom left to the top right. The market is just, you know, you speak to people at price. There's a reason that... Yeah, that crypto is top of mind when it comes to, you know, just random discussions. So there's definitely a market growth. When you start looking at how the cryptocurrency market grows, you know, you go along and you say, right, I want to buy a Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever token I want to buy. I'm going to pay a slightly higher price than what's currently in the market. Fantastic. The moment you do that, all of a sudden, the value of that entire network is increased by a tiny fraction, but it's increased. Now, you have hundreds of millions of people across the world that are doing that, and the market keeps increasing. And that's ultimately what drives the values. More people believing in projects, backing it, and willing to pay a higher price to get involved. We're talking around projects, and we've spoken in our previous sessions about supply chain projects. You've just spoken about reimagining 
the function of money in the trading environment. Some of the projects that they're looking at is free trade. We're looking at countries using crypto as functional currency. What do you think is going to come out in 2022 from a practical perspective of the use of blockchain and crypto in itself to fund these things? There's a lot going on, right? I mean, supply chains are making use of blockchain technology quite aggressively. And it makes sense why. Whenever you've got a lot of intermediaries involved with any process, blockchain seems to make a lot more sense. Now, there's a lot that still needs to happen on the blockchain front. So blockchains do need to become more efficient. And this is then coming back to the debate around Ethereum. But I think more generally speaking, I think the thing that excites me the most, and this is also because I'm a finance nerd and I'm that investing geek, the DeFi space, the decentralized finance space, it's just so, so, so exciting to me. Why? Because you're essentially just disintermediating banks. You're disintermediating insurance providers. And it's not the fact of removing them entirely from the system that excites me. I mean, that's largely neither here nor there. It's actually more of a case of, well, all of a sudden, you're able to go and directly deal with another party and have a transaction occur without having to wait three weeks for something to happen or paying a ridiculous fee for that to happen. And that's what excites me. If I want to take out a loan right now, I could do that through a decentralized finance. And it sounds so, so, so scary when I say this, a decentralized finance protocol. So I could go to a compound or an Aave, yeah. which are protocols that exist on the Ethereum blockchain. And I could take out a loan and pay 4% per year and do that in a matter of seconds. And that's the thing that really excites me. And I think it's, you know, you're sort of able to look at this from an insurance standpoint. You can look at this from a trading standpoint. You can take the JSE and you can essentially put this on a blockchain. All of a sudden, you've got a decentralized trading floor that exists. And this is all digital, obviously. But that's what Uniswap is all about. So there's just so much. And of course, I'm talking about very technical areas here within the sort of DeFi world. But these are the areas where if you start looking at it, it's like this isn't now 10 or $20 billion. These are hundreds of billions of dollars that are playing around in the space. And I think it's just going to grow from here. So that's one of the biggest trends I see in 2022. You speak about being a finance geek. And for our IT nerds, which we are proud to represent out there, how good are the systems behind these things? What is the role of automation, robotics, AI that you see coming through in 2022? So I think the, the most exciting area for me here is when you start seeing how they all become interconnected. So blockchain by itself is nothing, right? You've got to have the internet and good internet, so i.e. 5G technology that's able to power these microtransactions that occur. A few years ago, we were talking about IoT a lot more. All of a sudden, IoT is actually becoming a thing, right? I mean, whether it is your mobile device or you know, smart finders for your keys or whatever it may be, IoT has arrived, right? And that's in big part because of how we've got a fiber line, you know, 5G technology that exists out there. I mean, I think now blockchain is going to come together and connect with that. AI as well works really well when you've got large data sets and you're able to utilize large data sets that comes from cloud computing. So if you're able to sort of mix and match all of these, it becomes incredibly, incredibly exciting. So I do think you'll start seeing now the practical application of a lot of these because it's very much been in academia where you've been saying, okay, right, let's run these machine learning algorithms to do certain things. But now I actually do think in the finance world, you'll see robo-advisors able to actually make better decisions and be useful to you. So, you know, you don't have to rely on maybe a person to give you financial advice. This could be just a robot that you know, analyzes your portfolio and gives you financial recommendations. And I'm not saying, you know, yeah, the robots win. <laughs> Come on. This is exciting. This is stuff that we read about in sci-fi books that, well, when you were young and I was young and good looking, we used to read these books and it's all coming true. It's all coming together. It's 
it's coalescing. Do you think it's breaking down the geographic barriers we're putting up? And especially from an African context, do you think there's anything exciting in 2022 for us on the continent? Yeah, I think there's, of course, I mean, Africa is one of these stories where you've just got so much pessimism that exists there. And you're like, well, guys, you don't understand. Like, the opportunity exists. Every single time that something's more difficult to do, there's an opportunity to, to step in and make that process more efficient. So, yes, I think there's a ton that's going to be happening here over the next while. Africa is going to do its normal thing where it's going to completely leapfrog certain generations and systems that it currently exist. I see, you know, most of the African content getting exposure to 5G before they've even had exposure to 4G in some instances. Wow. I think that's really exciting. I also think, you know, self-driving cars actually may become something in an African context that doesn't necessarily take away jobs, but actually adds to jobs. Mm. Why? Because all of a sudden, you know, what does the African content have in abundance, right? You've got tons of farming land. What do you have? A growing population across the world. All of a sudden, you know, you've got robots that are able to do picking and all the rest and people are able to do what they do better, which is the creative problem solving. And yeah, I foresee that just growing massively. I mean, I'm completely going down a separate tangent here, but I think that's a really exciting area. Awesome. I think that is. So bringing it back to your own portfolio and what Revix is doing and do you have competition in South Africa? Are they, I mean, I don't want to know who they are, but there are people that compete against Revix. Yeah, I think any platform that is looking to take your money and try to well, enable you to invest that money so you can make more money, that becomes a competitor. That could be you know, a bank savings account. That could be an equities trading platform. Okay. That's all these different things sort of come together. But I mean, we're trying to position ourselves in a unique place where we've started out with cryptocurrencies as an investable asset class, which is, you know, just it's known to be very speculative. But going forward, we want to be looking at a whole bunch of thematic investment areas. And what I mean when I say thematic investment areas is you go, okay, right, I'd love to invest in, say, medical cannabis, in 5G technology, in AI, in biotech, in genomics, in space exploration, in exactly in clean water. How do I go about getting exposure to these? And anybody that has got a finance degree will probably go like, oh, there's a mutual fund that I can do this through, or there's an ETF that I can go get exposure to. And then you face an exchange control problem where you need to move money offshore. Maybe you've got some you know, guy offshore that you're able to like, work with on this, but it's complicated. And what we're trying to do is to simplify that entire process. Mm-hmm. You come to us and say, okay, I want exposure to this particular area. One click, you've got exposure. And that's mm-hmm. really what we're focusing on going forward. So taking the anxiety out of investing, you're giving access to people like myself who don't have a finance background, but we can have a logical go through and see where our money is going to be going to and hopefully buy financial freedom. I'm really big on the financial freedom thing. I think I'm getting old and I'm tired of of being told what to do. So if I get freedom, that'll be amazing. So um, I've been told to say... say <laughs> Don't <laughs> you can judge me. When is when moon? What am I investing in? When moon? What is when moon? Gosh, the crypto space is full of the jargon that you're reading there as well, right? So gosh, no. So when moon, when prices go up, right? Or you could have like, you know, you've got FUD, fair uncertainty and doubt yeah. in the crypto space, total, hold on for dear life. It just doesn't end. I mean, I'm not going to go into like, there's just so much <laughs> jargon within the crypto space. I don't know when the crypto market moon, the crypto market will increase gradually over time. It will not happen in a linear fashion though. I mean, you're going to have periods like what we're experiencing right now, where there's loads of volatility. Prices are going to jump up and down. If you look back over the last year, and this is an interesting stat, 
you've got five days that have contributed to 20% of this year's return. Over 10 days, you've got over 70% of this year's return baked into those 10 days alone. And I think that's important to look at because at the end of the day, it's time in the market that really matters. People try time the market, you know, whether now is a good buying opportunity or tomorrow or the day after that. I don't know. No one else knows. But, you know, making sure that you're entering the market and then in there for the long term, that's what really matters. That is something that I keep learning from you. It's a long-term game. We aren't in here for a couple of weeks. Sean, I know you've got a busy time ahead and we've touched on some of the trends for 2022, but maybe you want to summarize what you see the year ahead from a Revix perspective. What is your 2022 and what is your focus? And then your advice again for new people who are coming into the market, what kind of investors do you want? Let's start there. Who are you looking to see? If you could say, I would like these people to start investing, who is that? It is your everyday people because people go, all right, I've missed this market boom, right? We're sitting with a million rand of Bitcoin. I felt that way back in 2015 when I first entered the crypto space. I was like, I've missed this. You know, Bitcoin is sitting at that point in time was about $380. Like I've missed this. Like my gosh, like what, like what have I done? And I look at sort of where the market is today and it's that parabolic like growth that's occurred. You know, every year you've got somebody that says exactly the same thing, whether it be with Bitcoin, Amazon, Netflix, go through the list of all these really successful companies or areas of investment. And that's the nature of investing, right? Something that provides value to the world gets attention and gets more money allocated to it. And I don't see this being a market that is worth two and a half trillion dollars like it's worth today. This is a market that is going to be worth 10, 20, 30, 40 trillion dollars over the long term. And that's the exciting opportunity here. So it's this asymmetric, as we would call it, an asymmetric return opportunity where you can make multiple times your money over the long term, but you can lose 100% of this entire market went to zero. Now, my prediction is certainly that not that this market will go to zero, but it's that asymmetric return profile that exists that I can't see with any other asset class. I literally cannot go out there and find another investable category that can provide that sort of an opportunity for me. So that's maybe the clientele that we would like to see is the people that go, oh, right, the penny's dropped. I get this. I've learned now enough about sort of, you know, where the current financial system is falling short and where this new financial system could actually sit in and improve the system for me to get excited and allocate a certain amount to it for the first time. Awesome. Are you seeing any companies that are saying, okay, we've made it through Touchwoods 2020, 2021, we're into 2022, we are going to give bonuses, 80% is going to be cash in bank, 20% is going to be in crypto. Is there anyone thinking like that? Are there any people that are saying 80% your salary is going to be normal, 20% is going to be in Bitcoin? Are, are there any case studies like that? Or am I just overly optimistic at the creativity of our payroll people? Uh, yeah, I think you're overly optimistic, unfortunately, in South Africa. There are some jurisdictions that have made it really easy to make payments in Bitcoin to the size equivalent, so the different tax jurisdictions or the different tax authorities around the world. Okay. Unfortunately, in South Africa, we actually once upon a time did pay our staff in BTC. The PAYE, obviously, you have to pay that in rands, but that's where things get complicated. All of a sudden, you know, you make a payment in Bitcoin, and because the user experience isn't there yet, I mean, we're still talking about the early days of the internet, right? That's where the crypto market is right now. Okay. That user experience is so much that it still needs to work on, and there's volatility around crypto. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, you still need to spend that Bitcoin or that cryptocurrency that you've received. 
And, you know, you need to convert that back to rands. So we actually just moved away from the system of, okay, right, let's pay people in Bitcoin to moving and paying them in rands. In the future, we'll definitely open this up again. I think we're actually very close to the point where we can open this up again. So I'm quite excited about that as well. So next time I do a podcast for you, I'm expecting payment in crypto. Come on, let's do this thing. <laughs> uh, it's really exciting to see where this is going and just to watch what's coming out of the Revix stable and the crypto stable. I'm not one of those heavily invested people that will go and do the investigation. That's why I come on folk like yourself to do it. And you're making it easy for us to get in there. Do you think the rest of the traders are, are doing the same thing? Is everybody on your bandwagon or is there a little bit shrouded in mystery so we can charge a bit more? Are the doors closed to people like me in other areas? So it depends on what you want, right? At the end of the day, no one can really make that decision for you. You have to be able to say, listen, I want to invest over one year, five year, 10 year, two days, right? And if you want to invest over two days, yeah, sure, you can do that with us. I mean, there's no lockup period with any of our investments, but you're probably better suited, you know, going to a trading platform and trading with assets that, you know, you want to trade it. We are definitely more of a longer term focused investment platform. We in the ideal world would want a customer that comes to us and says, okay, I'm excited about this crypto return opportunity that exists there. I want to allocate 1%, 5%, whatever amount of your portfolio or your net worth to cryptocurrency and come to us and let's say buy one of our bundles. And the reason that we offer our bundles is, you know, it's not only that we think that diversification is a smart investment strategy. Right? I mean, that's a no-brainer. Of course it is. But it's also a case of historically looking at the performance of our bundles. I mean, the facts speak for themselves. You are able to generate a better risk-adjusted return by making this investment. Sure, you can go and speculate and buy some of these new up-and-coming cryptocurrencies. You go buy the likes of Shiba Inu. You go buy all these other, you know, crazy speculative coins. But it is gambling. And I think yeah. that self-awareness of you saying, no, listen, there's a difference between investing and gambling. One is betting on the growth of this market. The other is betting on speculatively on this one project. And I think what we're trying to say is our ideal customer is a little bit more of an investor, less of a trade or gambler. Okay. Awesome. That's a really good summary of where we are. 2022, it's paved for Revix to have more success. Any message out there to our listeners and to our techie audience? This is a market that is going to get a lot bigger. I feel that 2022 could be the year that crypto goes a lot more mainstream. And the moment it starts going more mainstream, it isn't going to be spoken about in the news and on podcasts and all the rest in the way that it is right now. I think just compared to 2017 or 2016, I mean, the public level of education around blockchain and crypto more broadly is exponentially higher, right? That then fuels additional innovation in the space because everybody's a beginner at one point in time. And I see that this is going to be a market that just continues to grow and it will sort of come closer towards traditional finance. At the moment, it is quite detached from the traditional finance world and detached from the traditional monetary system. But I do see the two worlds coming together quite aggressively because we're speaking with banks, we're speaking with telcos in South Africa about this. That's the crazy thing. So, you know, there are big providers and well-known providers that have trust and credibility in the space that want to offer this on their platform. So I think it's just a case of watch the space, get interested in the space, start small, be sensible. If somebody's promising you ridiculous returns, it's not going to happen. Rather mm. stick away from it. It's like all the good old advice that you know already. And I'm just sort of saying it now because I, you know, I, I like to, to remind people about this. I love that. Thank you very much. Sean, as usual, you've been a great guest. I think the journey you've taken us on the last 
three episodes has been one of layering complexity and understanding. Thank you for speaking in English most of the time and not in jargon. And uh, just to you and your team, good luck. May 2022 be paved with success. Be just rain down on you because we need more good news stories like this in South Africa. From my side, I want to wish you a, a really wonderful December. I hope you get some rest. I know when you're building businesses, that isn't often the case, but you seem like a sensible chap. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And we are looking for long-term when we are considering crypto. As with health, we want long-term health. So from my side, Daniel Robus, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to have some of your time. Go forth and conquer today with your videos and everything else that you're doing. And uh, I won't even hold it against you that you are so much in the public eye and only with me three times. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And exactly the same to you. I hope you have a fantastic December break. Recharge. You've got me excited about South America. So I'm going to be adding that to my 2022 travel itinerary as well. And yeah, all the best to you as well, man. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.